The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to Episode 61 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania and to relentlessly, vigorously, and methodically pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem, and sometimes with the help of our courts when necessary. We have a crappy episode planned for today, and like all episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts, you, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we utilize an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Today for the you part, we have our latest regular feature, Unscripted Cohorts, plus a question about the foundations of libertarianism and a follow-up observation about toilets. See, I told you it was going to be a crappy episode. After the you part comes part two, the them part, where each episode we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Today's guest is heavy-duty political. He's Drew Miller, a Pittsburgh attorney suing Governor Big Bad Wolf for his part in banning the Libertarian, Green, and Constitution parties from this year's November ballot. After that comes the me portion of the Pennsylvania Project, where it will be my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today, I'll be ranting about how the police and politicians have been reacting to our planned Reopen Pennsylvania multi-rally this Saturday. And throughout the show, as is our long-established custom, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to serve as a narrator to read our live commercials. Today, we have with us distinguished Toastmaster Pat Rocky from the Doylestown Toastmasters Club in, you guessed it, Doylestown. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Pat. Thank you, Ken. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, it's great. Listen to that radio voice. And you're the guy who won all four contests at the district level. That may not mean a whole lot outside this studio. Uh, it means but a lot to me. It means means I'm, I can be a big deal at times in District big, 38. Big pain. And by the way, last Saturday was the district contest. I made it to the fourth level, and I lost. I've, well, I've one, never won the district contest. I know. One of my colleagues from the Cerner Club in Malvern won Matt Dever, and he's a wonderful speaker. I he look is. forward to hearing, hearing the speech because I think he was heading in that direction for a long mm-hmm. time. Pat, I got a question for you. What's that? What do you like about being a Toastmaster? I like the opportunity to get in front of people, keep my speech fluid, and possibly change some lives. I learned something years ago from former world champion Ed Tate. He said that before every speech, he says a little prayer that let me change somebody. Let me let this speech affect somebody. And that's my goal. If I can move somebody in some way, I'm happy with that. Uh You know, I'm paranoid enough that I would put a direction on that improve somebody (laughs) (laughs) well it's good to have you here pat it's been a long time i've been wanting to get you on the show i'm glad thanks a lot ken we also have a second toastmaster with us today according to another one of our ancient traditions to help read and respond to whatever comes into our mailbag and to join in discussions with our guest 
It's a role that we call cohort. And today's cohort is making her second appearance on the Pennsylvania Project and her first as cohort. She's a member of the Sub and Surface Toastmasters and the Camden County Toastmasters in, you guessed it, Camden County, as well as the club's past president. Candace Winters, welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Candace. Thank you, Ken. It's an honor having me back. Oh, some, that'd be my honor, yeah. Some people don't learn. You were here before, now look at you, you're back again. Yep, yep. What brought you back? Well, you know, I was interested in uh, continuing to challenge myself with public speaking, and I thought this would be a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you did such a phenomenal job last time, we just had to have you back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, as you know, we have our ancient customs, since you've been here before. I, I always ask each cohort to bring along some unscripted question to put me on the spot. Pretend we're doing table topics at a Toastmasters meeting. And I hope you brought something good for me. Let's see. Let's find out. So, I know very well by now that you are a very big Elon Musk fan. Amen. I couldn't help but not bring up the fact that, that yesterday was going to be a potentially very big day with a, a rocket launch. Mm-hmm. Now, with that getting delayed, I had to change my question around a little bit. But what I did want to ask you is if you foresee any downsides to the privatization of space exploration, as we know, Elon Musk isn't the only person interested in exploring space and investing in that we have jeff bezos and we also have richard branson Mm -hmm. and i just wanted to see if you see any potential downsides to bringing these types of people into that realm candace you ask a libertarian if there's a downside to the free market (laughs) (laughs) just prosperity happiness that's what made america great and everything short answer is no i i thought it's a brilliant decision and i actually know the woman who pushed Bush and Obama in that direction. Her name is Lori Garver. She was the head of the National Space Society, of which I was a member. And they actually got me out onto the causeway to see a shuttle launch on my wife's birthday several years ago. Wow. So I I know Lori, and she's a big fan of the privatization, and she succeeded. I mean, I can't thank her enough for that. Because when you look at the government doing something, every time the government does something, they're doing it for political reasons. They're not doing it for sustainable reasons. As much as I enjoyed that first moon landing, it was a stunt. It was just, it was a geopolitical stunt. And as much as I loved the space shuttle, man, oh man, what a beautiful machine. Do you know that ruined space industry? It set space travel back easily, 20, 30 years, because they ordered, start with Nixon, Aviation Week just had an article in there that said, blame it on Nixon, because he was the one who helped design the mission for the space shuttle. And they put on wings that were too big, extra maneuvering engines, they made it too long and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And worst of all, he said, everybody's gotta ride the shuttle now. And he eliminated all the other boosters. So all of a sudden now, there's only one way to get into space, in America anyway, and that was the space shuttle. And that's the way it was for years, and it was very, very anemic for years. And then of course we all know the sad day, 1986, Challenger exploded. And Ronald Reagan, I liked Ronald. He was the first Republican I voted for, probably the only one too. But but he ordered all commercial payloads off the shuttle. When he did that, there were a handful of boosters available. Within 10 years, there were 60, over 60 boosters. And now all of a sudden, pardon the pun, space travel took off. And it's been following. And now with Lurie pushing for the privatization of low Earth orbit, We now see the results of that. Elon Musk founded SpaceX. Jeff is doing his Blue Origin. And 
and uh, Sir Richard Branson also this week, he was overshadowed by Elon's antics, but he just tried his Cosmic Girl. It's a 747, and he's dro- he dropped his first rocket to launch into space, and it failed. I don't know what happened yet. It just happened a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best possible thing. I want to go to space. Yeah. I never saw an opportunity to do it before, but now, now I see one. So get back to your question. What do I think about the privatization of space? Mm-hmm. I think it's the best thing that can happen. God bless Elon, man. He, that guy rocks. Well, there's a second part to that question. So do you think with the advance, the advancements in space exploration, if we do privatize it, that that will give us less incentive to slow down or eliminate the pollution that we're we are doing to this earth because there's the potential of finding another planet that we could take over. <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to do any good for for earth because you're going to have now the pollution of all the rockets taking off. Mm-hmm. So that's going to it's going to add. In fact, some people are starting to complain about that too. Things like the shuttle, they were very clean. They burned oxygen, liquid oxygen, liquid hydrogen and they left water behind. But the most of the rockets now are not doing that. Liquid hydrogen is very, very difficult to use. It's hard to keep cold. Mm-hmm. Takes up a lot of space. Okay. I think Elon's on the right track. He's using kerosene and liquid oxygen. But his new rocket, Starship, is going to use methane and liquid oxygen. Methane is cheap. It's easily available on Mars. Mm-hmm. And I guess it still pollutes. Still has carbon in it. Oh well. Okay. Good questions, and you went right into my favorite subject. But <laughs> let's get to Bernie. I'm not sure I'm going to get to all of Bernie. Sure. So we have Bernie McCann from Elwood City, Pennsylvania, who's asking, you've often said that you were a liberal Democrat before you read Ayn Rand's work, Atlas Shrugged. What would you say was the foundation for your beliefs before you became a libertarian? And as a side note, also, leaving the lid down on the toilet seat means double work for men who now have to lift both the lid and the seat. This seems almost as unfair as labeling toilets American standard when, in fact, they're made in Mexico. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> I worried it was going to be a crappy episode. Uh, Bernie's referring to episode 59. My wife, Roberta, was our Toastmaster narrator reading commercials that day, and it was our 43rd anniversary. I couldn't just leave her home, could I? No. Mm-mm. Anyway, I was discussing all the compromises we made over the years to help us last for 43 years of marriage. And one of them was that classic, seat up or seat down. And our answer was neither. Closed was the compromise. And if I have to lift up the seat, well, you know, Bernie, the lid comes with it. No big deal. No extra thinking on my part, but it's oh so slightly heavier. You're right. But she has to lift it too. And it's albeit, albeit oh so slightly light, lighter. But it involves extra thinking on her part. And she has to be more precise when grabbing only the lid, or I can just grab the whole thing. And that sort of precision is much more difficult at 3 a.m. So I think I came ahead on that compromise. But getting to the other half of your question, yes, it's true. I used to be, you know, Candace, I was going to ask you if it was up or down. It's none of my business. Never mind. <laughs> down. Anyway, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Girls. <laughs> my wife told you to say that no cool. let's get on with Bernie's question because he's right I used to be a liberal democrat all the way until I was into my 30s I used to think that I could use your means for my ends it just seemed right to me that I could take your money for whatever goody two shoes project I liked regardless of whatever the effect might be on you and yours 
But as you pointed out, that was back then before I read Atlas Shrugged. And before then, I had no idea what an integrated philosophy was. Might be a result of my Catholic education, but I digress. In case you don't know, an integrated philosophy is one where one part of your thinking aligns with all the other parts. Difficult though that may be. Yeah, I can talk. To give you an idea of what an unintegrated philosophy might look like, I used to think it was politically okay to steal from people via taxation, but socially not okay to steal from people honestly, if you would, like using a gun or fraud or threats. And most liberals I know do not have integrated philosophies. They think it's an entirely different issue stealing someone's wallet openly versus voting to steal someone's wallet. They think one kind of theft is okay, but not the other. But hey, isn't it theft theft? Not to a liberal, at least not the liberals I met. When I read Ayn Rand, she made me realize the importance of having an integrated philosophy. And when I put that realization into practice, I realized I had a conflict about theft. Obviously, one of them had to go because the way I see it, theft is wrong. Taxation is theft. Therefore, taxation is wrong. Simple as that. And of course, I could have gone the other way and said theft by taxation is okay. Therefore, other kinds of theft are okay. But I didn't. I couldn't because it wouldn't integrate with other parts of my philosophy, such as my belief in property rights. I believe you own yourself. I'd have to say, no, you don't. I'm not a slave driver. Anyway, I digress. My morals may have adjusted once I had an integrated philosophy, but that only affected my means, not my ends. So I still believe in those goody-two-shoes projects. Hey, they're there to help people, right? Who, who doesn't want to help people? Right. So I had to integrate my goody-two-shoes projects into my new integrated philosophy, and the result is my novel Atlas Snubbed, whose commercial we're about to hear. In it, we talk about the separation of society and state. That's a way we can help the needy without holding the gun of taxation to some stranger's head and just stealing their money outright. And I'm not going to go into all the details or else I'll be here all night about it. I love the book. Go check it out. It's in episode 17. Our guest bailed that day, so I talked for an entire half hour about the separation of society and state. Or rather than checking out episode 17, I should say just go and buy the book, Atlas Snubbed. It's a lot more fun than listening to me for a half an hour. <laughs> have you read my book, Candace? I have not, uh, but I intend to. You should. I will. Find out how we can help needy without holding a gun to your head. On that self-serving philosophical salesmanship-like note, that's going to have to do it for the you portion of episode 61. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, we'll be meeting with today's guest, a Pittsburgh attorney suing Governor Big Bad Wolf for his role in banning the Libertarian, Green, and Constitution Party from the, from the November ballot, Drew Miller. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today 
before it's too late. Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Now, do those words sound like they're something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? They're not. They're all direct quotes from Article One of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most important, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's long past time we change these answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we've authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, head over to our website, PennsylvaniaProject.com, and add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution, and people wonder why no one votes anymore. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the them portion of episode 61 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. And as I said at the top of the show, today's guest is solidly political. He's Drew Miller, attorney from Anderson and Leibovitz in Pittsburgh. He was also the Libertarian Party candidate for Congress in the hotly contested special election in the 18th Congressional District in 2018. A spoiler in that race, I must add. He's our latest in a string of Pennsylvania heroes who's suing Governor Big Bad Wolf over his contradictory, authoritarian, anti-democratic shutdown plan for Pennsylvania. Unlike our guest in episode 60, talk radio host Mark Scaringi who's suing Governor Big Bad Wolf over his contradictory, authoritarian, anti-democratic shutdown plan for Pennsylvania. Instead, Drew is suing Governor Big Bad Wolf in the name of the Libertarian, Green, and Constitution parties so that they can get their candidates on the ballot this year and counteract another piece of democracy that the governor's ill-conceived diktats destroyed. And unlike our previous guest... Drew was also going to be a talk show radio, talk radio show host by majoring in broadcast journalism at Syracuse University, but instead, in his own words, he sold out and went to law school instead. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Mr. Sal- I'm Mr. Drew. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, I, I've known Drew for a few years That's now. Okay. I, I could play around with him. Wow. So you're suing the big bad governor. 
That is correct, yes. Oh, man. So in your eyes, what did he do wrong? Well, basically, you know, Ken, as you know, what happened with uh, COVID-19 is uh, the governor effectively shut down the entire state. You know, so he had these stay-at-home orders that he put in place. And what that did was it affected our ability to go out and collect signatures to get on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I mean, you know firsthand know. Uh, that you know, we have a really high signature requirement. In fact, all of our signature requirements are, are at least double, if not more than double, of what the Republicans and Democrats have to get to be put on the primary ballot. Oh, double? So, I mean, it's, it's worse yeah. than that. When I ran for governor in 2002, I, Ed Vandell needed 2,000 signatures, and I needed— right. 21,027. So that's what? Right. 11 times as many? And in, tu- <laughs> yeah. and in 2006, that number changes from year to year. It was 67,000. Right. Even though and, the Constitution. And, 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 and actually, and, right, and thanks to you, you know, and the, uh, and, and the, the, uh, the court case that was brought in 2018, Constitution Party of Pennsylvania and others uh, versus uh, Pedro Cortez. We were able to uh, lower that signature requirement. They, they actually said that, the, that signature requirement was unconstitutional, uh, right. as was written and applied to the other laws. So, yep. um, and that, so, so that helps us out. But you know, it, it only lowered it. You know, we still have a significant sig- signature requirement that we have to get. Uh, Amen. To make the ballot, Espe- especially for things like Congress. Now, you were lucky when you ran in your special election. Since it was a special election, you got to buy right. right under the ballot. You just sign sign your name. Right, you know, and I think that one point that often goes, you know, missed um, without particular regard to the special election was the fact that I was able to do that because we were able to uh, get enough votes in the previous election to make us an official minor party in Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what happens when you don't vote for these, you know, third party or as you call them, challenger party candidates. Uh, we don't make that minor party uh, uh, status. Right. It actually becomes harder for us, you know, in, in these types of regards for, for future matters, uh, such as you know special elections. Yep. Had we not voted, had had all the voters not voted, you know, in that previous election uh, for you know Gary Johnson, I would not have been uh, able to, to to run in that special election. Yep. And that's why your lawsuit is so important because if we don't get our presidential candidate Joe Jorgensen, we don't get her. And Spike Cohen, her vice president, if we don't get them on the ballot, we will not be recognized as a political party in Pennsylvania. That means people won't be able to right. register libertarian. It won't the checkoff box won't be on the form. We won't be able to send people into special elections like we did to you. All these things right. that Governor Wolf is taking away from us without constitutional authority. Don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> hey Drew, it's Candace and, and, here. I have a question for yeah, you. Yeah, how are you? Good. How sure. are you? Good. Um, so these signatures that you have to go out and obtain, how how are you doing this? Is this, you know, you're just sending like a team of people out and physically knocking on doors and getting getting signatures? Well, I mean, that's, that's how we would have done it before, you know, the, the stay-at-home order went into place. But, like, as it stands right now, if we would try to go door-to-door and try to get these signatures, <laughs> we'd be breaking the law. You know, right. we have to. Right. First of all, no one was going to answer their door anyway if we tried to do that's that. Right. You know, they, but and the other way we try to get signatures is we go into large groups of people. We'd have a gathering of people. We'd we'd go out to where people are. Maybe we'd go to to concerts or or, or go to other venues where there's going to be massive crowds of people. We don't have that anymore. Yeah, that's parades. Away from us. Fourth of July parades right. is one of the real big ones for right. us. Memorial Day parades. 
Well, don't you think that's a little bit of an antiquated way to go about and getting signatures and that maybe that this is a good opportunity to try to reform that method into something a little bit more modern? Yeah, and that is exactly the point we brought up. Uh, you know, actually, yesterday we had a, t a telephone conference with the judge just to do you know, like a status update as to where things stand and then to, to plan schedules in, in the future. But you know, what we what we basically said was that other states have recognized that this this pen to paper signature collection uh, method of obtaining signatures is, is is completely antiquated, and then other states have implemented like digital signatures. They allow people to like you know. To, to go online and, and, and sign their name digitally, you know, and that would count in other states in terms of a, a signature collection, which I think we should implement here, but we've always been really slow. Pennsylvania's always been slow to, to come around to the, the newest and latest <laughs> uh, technology. We're, we're always living in the past. And you know, Drew... And it's also important... Uh, go ahead. Yeah, Candace, to answer that question for, for us libertarians, we're part of a group called the Pennsylvania Ballot Access Coalition. It's Greens... Mm -hmm. Libertarians, com communists, naderites. I mean, we're, we disagree on everything, but we all agree on fair ballot access. And we've been introducing over the past 10 years different versions of a bill we call the Voters' Choice Act to make the playing field a lot more level. And we just had our meeting last week, and this is breaking news. We've decided on a new type of a law. What we're going to do is eliminate, completely eliminate primary elections. Right now... Okay. The, we libertarians, we choose our own candidates in convention using our own rules. Same thing with the Greens, same thing with the Constitution Party. The Democrats and Republicans should do the same. Why are we taxpayers paying for their beauty contests? Mm -hmm. So if we just eliminated that, they follow their rules, they make their own rules, they follow their own rules, and whoever comes out of that, they're the ones who automatically gets on the ballot. And that's the way we do it. And that way, you don't need any of these signatures. All this goes away. And in order to be that kind of a major party, we'd follow Delaware's lead. They say if you have one twentieth of one percent of the voters registered in your party, that's it. You can just put somebody on the ballot. Mm -hmm. In Pennsylvania, yeah. that would be we libertarians because we have, well, it'd be about 4,000 voters. So that means the libertarians, Greens, and the Constitution Party. So it wouldn't change the Pennsylvania political landscape at all. So that's the future, and we're writing it up right now, and we're, look, we're writing the bill, and we're going to start shopping it around. We're going to get somebody to introduce it. Drew, what do you think of that approach? I think that's a great idea. You know, I think that uh, anything we can do to, you know, eliminate the primaries and try to make the field a little bit uh, more even would be, you know, not only beneficial to us, but basically, you know, all voters and anybody that wants to try to, to, to run for office. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the primary elections because yesterday when we had this meeting with the judge at the 11th hour, like literally maybe an hour and a half before this meeting, I get a notification that the Pennsylvania Democratic Party uh, filed to intervene in the lawsuit. And what they are saying is they're objecting to this lawsuit that we filed. And one of the things they said was that, you know, they basically came out and said that if we put a, uh, a you know a challenger party <laughs> candidate uh, on the ballot uh, that it would actually affect the chances of their candidate being elected. Well, you know, duh. They said, well, you can't right. <laughs> they said, That's the you point. Can't, yeah. You can't allow this to happen. So it's going to be unfair, you know, to us. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, here, I'll, in fact, I'll read you. I have their motion 
in front of me right now I'll read this most important sentence of their motion, the most telling. It says, this action could have major consequences to the outcomes of the various races in which the plaintiffs, meaning the Democratic Party, seek to participate and unduly and unfairly burden not only the candidates of political parties, meaning that the Democrats being a political party, but the voters of such political parties who may be deprived of a fair and free election under the Pennsylvania Constitution. What? what? <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not fair. It's not free. Uh, right, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's and, and and I think what was the most offensive thing to me is the fact that the, you know the Democrats and Republicans were not at all in any way affected by COVID nineteen because you know they have to get nomination petitions, not nomination papers like the political bodies, meaning like these third parties have to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But they had to get they had to turn those in 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 the end of February, like the middle to end of February. So they at all were not affected at all by any of the governor's actions, uh-huh. and I, and yet they 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 believe that because. <laughs> You know, we we we've been. They they still expect us to go and get signatures, you know, know. These five thousand signatures, whatever. Even though we can't go door to door and we're effectively locked in in our homes. You it, know. And you know, it's funny about that. When I talk to the somebody in the two old parties, saying, "Hey, you know, we should do this without signatures. We should be able to just nominate directly under the ballot." They say, "Hey, I'm gonna go out there in January and February in the cold and the snow and go get signatures. So you got to do it too." I'm like, "Oh wow, wait a minute, dude." You made that rule up. You passed that law. If you don't like it, right. get rid of it. And that's going to be one of our right. arguments for eliminating primaries. Just get rid of it. If you yeah. don't want signatures, don't do it. Man, it's so yeah. silly. And that was actually one of the, the issues that uh, the council for the Democrats raised yesterday in this phone call. He was actually on the phone call with us. And he says, well, you know, my clients have to go out and, and we have to get all these signatures <laughs> and we have to go through, uh, you know, this primary process and it's very hard and, and this would be like, you know, this would be very burdensome, you know, so we have to, uh, have, to have this heavy burden that we have poor to baby. So allow the libertarians <laughs> to be on the ballot, you know. <laughs> Candace is here rolling her eyes. I mean, what are they whining right. about? Right. It's like, it's like your, your party's made up the rules, you yep. know, they actually create the, 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 the primary as a benefit to them and a detriment to everybody else, you know, <laughs> and they have, the, they have the votes now. If they want to change it, they can do it. They can do you it. Know, the General uh, Assembly is, is just made up of Republicans and Democrats anyway. So. Yeah. Hey, I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to episode 61 of the Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information with more from our Pennsylvania hero, the Pittsburgh attorney suing Governor Big Bad Wolf for his part in banning the Libertarian, Green, and Constitution Party members from appearing on the November ballot, Mr. Drew Miller. Americans for Prosperity is the Keystone State's largest grassroots network of activists. We're engaged on issues that range from advancing fiscal and regulatory policies that empower people to earn their success most easily, to expanding gains in criminal justice reforms that will protect people and preserve public safety while removing barriers to opportunity for those with criminal records. Our vision for Pennsylvania is one where no barriers to opportunity exist. By standing together to do good, we can create a more prosperous Pennsylvania now and for future generations and enable them to realize their own version of the American dream. To learn more, please visit AmericansForProsperity.org. Hey, Candace here, cohort on the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job. At least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. 
But do those words describe you? Competent leader? Communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters two years ago and now I'm on the radio. <laughs> so turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome and be sure to mention my name, Candace Winters. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader and it all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contract, contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V, W-E-R-L-E-Y.com. Governor Tom Wolf is picking winners and losers by allowing corporations like Walmart to stay open, yet forcing small businesses to close. He's doing the same in politics. Wolf's Republican and Democrat buddies will appear on your ballot this November, but he has excluded independents and third parties. The Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania doesn't think this is right, and we are suing Governor Wolf in federal court. Please help us in our legal battle against those who would limit your choices in, in the voting, voting booth. Go lppa.org and click Donate. The Libertarian Party, the only political party that stands up for all of your freedoms all of the time. lppa.org. Hey, Ken Crutchock here, and we are back with episode 61 of the Pennsylvania Project and with our Pennsylvania hero, Drew Miller, our Pittsburgh attorney who's suing Governor Big Bad Wolf for his part in banning Libertarian, Green, and Constitution parties from the November ballot. And Drew, you got some support there from the LPPA. They're running a commercial about what you're doing there. Yeah, that's, that's great. I just heard that. Sounds fantastic. So uh, it it's definitely going to be a, uh, an exciting case uh, coming up. I'm looking forward to it. I know. We, you know. we all are. All Pennsylvania is because it's just a question of fairness, you know? Right. Right. I, and uh, you know what, what? What our what our clients actually did was, you know, and that was the, the uh, Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania, the Constitution Party of Pennsylvania, and the, the Green Party of Pennsylvania. We, you know, it, it, it's not going to be enough to just try to litigate this case because by the time that would happen, uh, you know, the election is going to be over. Yeah. Um, so what we did was we filed a, a, a preliminary injunction, a and a temporary restraining order, and that's why we had that meeting with the judge the other day. Hopefully, the judge is going to rule on it shortly. Uh, it, when, and this is basically what we did in other states, too. We're working with other co-counsel who've litigated cases just like this, and most notably in Illinois, where it was exactly the same set of circumstances. The uh, you know third party had to get a massive amount of signatures, were unable to do so because of the actions of their governor, and they sued. And what the court said was that if they had a candidate on the ballot in 
2016 or 2018, they automatically get to have that particular candidate or, or, they, or that particular position on the ballot again that, in the that 2020 sounds election. That sounds real yes. good. Did, and they and that was uh, the judges agreed with that. That was the ruling. Right. Yes. Yeah. No. Illinois. We're hoping that that will happen. Uh, you know, in, in Pennsylvania. Well, we're really just trying to waive the signature requirement for basically every single candidate for these three particular parties. So it's like we they will automatically get onto the ballot. No signature requirement whatsoever. Is what we've asked the judge to do. So, uh, you know, we hope that he'll make a ruling on that uh, uh, shortly. Uh huh. Wow, that's a lot. And, you know, with the right. going back to the LPPA ad, I know you're donating a lot of your time for this, and thank you very much for that. But I, I, have, a question, well. I have a question that I ask attorneys that, who come on the show. Why are attorneys so expensive? Sure. What's with this uh, $200, $300, $500 an hour t- attorney fee? Right, and, and yeah, and it's a, it's a good question. And, you know, a lot of times uh, there's no good answer uh, to it, you know, they'll they'll try to say that. Oh, <laughs> I agree. The fees are so <laughs> I mean, they'll they'll say that like, oh, the fees are so expensive because you know we have a lot of overhead and you know there's a lot of people that have to get paid and you know um, uh, stuff like that. What I really like about my particular law firm, though, and the reason I joined it is that we actually do have fees that are much much lower than uh, many of the law firms uh, in Pittsburgh. You know, we're, we're a smaller organization. We don't particularly focus just on. Uh, one particular area of the law, we, we basically do it all, and we have like this interaction uh, with our clients where you know we really become personally involved. You know, in their cases, we really believe you know what, what they what they're trying to accomplish, and we work our hardest to make sure that we're zealous advocates for all of our clients. That uh-huh. really anyone you know could could potentially you know, afford us, and and that's what I like is that you know, we don't uh, shut people out from being able to obtain uh, justice yeah. you know, the legal system. You know, that's that's the key phrase there, because the, those high fees, they shut out people from the justice system. And right. I, I'm, I'm happy to hear what you were saying, because you remind me of my patent attorney. I hold three United States patents, and I'll give him a shout-out, Bill Eilberg, and he's in Nevada. But he's a one-man shop, and what I like about him is, yeah. is that personal touch. You call him, and he's the guy who answers the phone. You know, hello, Bill Eilberg. And... And he's more than willing to help you out with little things and everything. And when I filed the patents, patents can be very expensive, but he was willing to right. work, work with us on that. And it was, right. I, I'm glad to hear that you're on the proper side of the fence. Yeah, all of my clients have my personal cell phone number and they know that they have free reign to call me anytime, uh, 24 hours a day. So, and I, I will answer my phone. You man, sir. And you know, there's something else I wanted to cover. I wanted to talk about your congressional race in 2018. Sure. Because it was one of the most watched races in the country. It was one of these squeakers. And I went out and looked at some of the news things and some of the quotes that from, from you. I, I always want to read a couple of them because I think these are hoot and a holler. Okay, sure. Because <laughs> they ignore us libertarians until all of a sudden we're doing stuff. And right, that's exactly right. You said, here's one quote. I knew that if I became the spoiler that they were going to blame me for one of those candidates losing. And that, that's just what happened. It didn't matter which one was going to win. There's a tautology there. And then late at night, as when they're doing the count, you said, quote, we are only a few hours away from me being the most hated man in America. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I have a third one here, and this one I think is great. This is why I saved it for last. If you have to silence your third party opposition because your candidate cannot win otherwise, 
that tells me that either you have a crappy candidate or a crappy message. <laughs> and I warned people it was going to be a crappy episode. That, that's right. that's music, Drew. I'm telling you. So, yeah. So, yeah. And, and that race, it came out, what, they were only about a, a couple hundred votes apart? And you made up... Right, I think it was like, right, about 600 votes approximately separated the two candidates. And, and I had more than double that amount. So, <laughs> uh, you know, Rick Sircone blamed me for his, his loss. Or I guess you'd say, actually, he didn't personally blame me. His supporters uh, blamed him. Didn't you? Well, you got the perfect comeback there about crappy candidate or crappy message. Right. That's pretty cool. Right. I mean, yeah, and as I say, you know, and, and uh, I often make this point that no, you know, no one is entitled, you know, to you're, you're no one is entitled to get the vote to somebody else, you know, or, 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 or they're not entitled to somebody else's vote. You have uh -huh. to earn every single vote that you get. That's right. And uh, I think that you know a lot of times the you know the the Democrats and Republican candidates go in here, uh, you know, just expecting that their particular candidates are going to vote for them. Uh, you know, and they, they they have to realize they have to earn every single vote. Most importantly, the the independents and the you know third party candidates. Uh, you gotta they have to really petition to to, to get those votes too. That's so, right. And, you know, and even within the party, that's true. Because, Drew, I remember the first time that I met you, you'd come to our convention seeking the nomination. And, and I hit you right. with, with my favorite question, how do you define a libertarian? And I always say, you know, we libertarians are different from the two old parties because we're the party of principle. We believe you have the right to live your life your way without interference, provided only that you respect the rights and property of others. Now, right. that's a little long with That's not what you said. You just looked at me from across the room. You said, I'm fiscally conservative and socially liberal. <laughs> the <Yeah>. Four <laughs> words. That's a lot better than the 25 words that I use. Or 20, right. 23 words, I guess it is, right in around there. And you had me right then and there. I says, this is the kind of guy who go out there and talk to the regular people. <laughs> yeah, I still use that quote, that, that, that too, that, to describe my uh, uh, political philosophy. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. you know, it's, it's really, I think, a political philosophy that's held by, by most Americans, I believe, from the people I talk to. You know, nobody yep. wants a lot of authoritarian intervention from from the, the government. You know, and I just think that you know, if we can refine our message and get it out there, that more people will, will buy into uh, what we're trying to sell. Yeah, you got Pat Rocky here. He's nodding his head up and down. You know, most people are libertarian. They just don't know it. I mean, if you think people right. have the right to live their life their own way. Provided they respect others, and Candace is nodding here, and yeah, just the way that it I is. I might be a libertarian. Uh, I prob right. probably are. You know, I I go to schools when I was running for governor. I love going to schools, and I'd ask that question: Do you believe you have the right to live your life provided you respect others? Every hand in the room would go up, and I'd say, "Hey, we're all libertarian," and those teachers would <laughs> stare daggers at me. <laughs> oh man. So, you know, I'm looking at the clock here, Drew, and sure. it, it always goes so quickly. We got a couple minutes left, and what I want to do is I just want to throw the mic open to you, man. Uh, it, anything you want to say. You know, we've had people talking about puppy mills, about breast cancer research. Some people just go on and talk about more about, you want to talk more about the lawsuit, libertarianism. Let me just throw it open, you know. Drew, what do you well, want to talk about? I mean, I will. Sure. Well, first of all, I just want to begin by uh, thanking the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania, the Green Party of Pennsylvania, uh, and the Constitution Party of Pennsylvania for putting their trust in me and uh, my love for uh, Anderson and Labovitz in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, to trust them with this case. And, uh, uh, you know, we're really honored to be representing them 
uh, in this federal lawsuit in the Eastern District of uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I just want to begin by, by saying that. And also, if anybody's listening and you know they need some legal representation, I think you'll find that uh, that, that we're able to that we'll provide a helping hand for any issues that you might have. But uh, you know, on a more personal note, I wanted to let your listeners know that uh, I am the uh, board uh, president of this organization called Community Human Services in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, and I just want to give, give, give them a shout out, a plug, uh, because what happens right now, or what is happening right now, is we are working to help the, uh, the homeless or the near homeless population in Pittsburgh. And when COVID-19 hit, the uh, county was kind of like left standing around, uh, you know, wondering what they were going to do with the homeless population. And I remember people you know, on Facebook were saying like, what's gonna happen, you know, we have these stay at home orders, what's gonna happen to the homeless population? And what we did is we were able to work with people in our community and businesses in our community to create, uh, you know, additional shelters for homeless people. We, we were able to find people who were particularly at risk of COVID-19. We were able to, you know, separate them from the rest of the, the people in for example, the uh, homeless shelters, because you know, you have to be very close a lot of the time in homeless shelters. We were able to work with um, a particular hotel in the Pittsburgh area and provide them, you know, a room to stay in so they were away from everybody else uh, in, in the public. So I think that we've been doing yeah. like, a really excellent job. Uh, you know, I think that people have the opportunity to check us out, um, yeah. you know, and even make a it, small donation to go a long way. What was the name of that organization again? It's. Uh, uh, Community Human Services Corporation, and you can go to the website at uh, chscorp.org. Chscorp.org. And, you know, yeah. I'm going to make sure that gets on the show notes so people who are listening to this sometime in the future, they'll be able to know, too. Are yeah. there opportunities to, to volunteer and get involved? Absolutely, yeah. We even uh, have a food pantry, too, right uh, in the Oakland area. In Oakland, uh, for those of you who aren't, the Pittsburgh area that's like right down the street from the uh, University of uh, Pittsburgh so it's centrally located um, and, and what's nice is that we don't ever ask any questions you know if you nice. pull up in a, a Lamborghini in a three-piece suit you, <laughs> you can come into the food pantry no questions asked you can get whatever you want we even have what's what's really important too is we have dog food there because people don't really know, but like you know <laughs> that's if, great you know if, 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 you, if you get evicted from your home you become homeless you know you would have to rip my dog from my hand you know to try to take it away from me. you know like if i become homeless my dogs are coming with me and so that's one of the, the most overlooked yep. items that people fail to to, to donate to that's right in dog food we have you know, dog food in our pantry. that's right you never want to be dogless you know drew i liked you before right. i'd like you even more now chscorp.org <laughs> And you know, with that, that's going to have to wrap it up for the then portion of the show. My thanks to our Pennsylvania hero, Drew Miller, the attorney who's suing Governor Big Bad Wolf on his contradictory, authoritarian, anti-democratic shutdown of Pennsylvania. We're going to pause for this information. And when we return, I will be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw, how police and politicians are reacting to our planned reopen Pennsylvania multi-rally. The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Pat, how's it going? Oh, bad, Ken. Really bad. Why? What's the matter? Oh, our friends at the Infernal Revenue Service paid me a personal visit the other day. The Infernal Revenue Service? Yep. Call them for what they are. They sent these two big brutes to the house and scared us all half to death. I bet. What did they want? Money. Lots of it. Remember that part-time gig I took on last summer? Oh, yeah. You were raking in some big bucks. Yeah. And all those big bucks went straight into my personal bank account. It turns out the IRS doesn't like that. And I didn't file any of the right forms or pay nearly enough in taxes. 
so they want it all now, right now, plus penalties and interest. Ouch. Sounds like you should have called Amendment 16. Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, and when your client pays them, they pay you, minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take care of all the taxes? All the forms? Yep. And they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Man, I wish I knew about Amendment 16 sooner. Where can I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment16, S-I-X-T-E-E-N.com. One call does it all. Have you heard the big news? The Pennsylvania Project is expanding dramatically. Each episode is now being broadcast multiple times a week on WWDB Talk Radio in Philadelphia, and the show has recently gone into syndication across Pennsylvania. Our success can be your success as well. A limited number of opportunities have recently come available where you can advertise affordably on the Pennsylvania Project. Not only will your message be heard throughout Pennsylvania's largest media market by far, all past episodes are always available for downloading at pennsylvaniaproject.com at WWDB's website, on iTunes, and from many other popular pro- podcast providers. So here's your chance to become a permanent part of the first liberty-oriented talk radio show on WWDB since the legendary Irv Homer hung up his headphones. Are you interested? Drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com today. Hey, Ken Crawchalk here again, and welcome to the me portion of episode 61 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw. Yeah, it's the lockdown again, but today it's about how the police and politicians are reacting to our planned reopened Pennsylvania multi-rally this coming Saturday. Yes, another reopened Pennsylvania rally, and not just a rally. This is a multi-rally this coming Saturday, May 30th, hosted by the Montgomery County Libertarians, I must add. But what, I hear you ask, is a multi-rally? Hey, you should already know. I already ranted about it in episode 60, but I hear you, so I'll rant about it again, just briefly, let's hope. Because a multi-rally isn't just one rally. It's a bunch of rallies all rolled up into one. Ours happens to be nine separate rallies, one an hour, every hour, starting at 9 a.m. this Saturday, May 30th, running until 5 p.m. Each rally is being held in a different neighborhood, one of neighborhood of one of nine different state reps. The very people who have the power to stop Governor Big Bad Wolf's capricious, arbitrary, dictatorial diktats, but they haven't. So we're going to pay each of them a personal visit this Saturday, one an hour on the hour. You ought to come. There's a map with all the details. It's on the web at PennsylvaniaProject.com slash rally. It shows times and locations of each of the individual rallies in our multi-rally, and the name of the state reps will be visiting. PennsylvaniaProject.com slash rally. You should be there, assuming, of course, you think this lockdown is nonsense, and it is. All you have to do is look to Sweden, and yeah, I'm going to talk about Sweden again, and I'm going to keep talking about Sweden until everyone finally hears what Sweden did in response to this pandemic. So what did Sweden do? Nothing. 
By nothing, I mean that the Swedes never locked down their economy, never threatened their citizens with fines or arrests like what Governor Big Bad Wolf is doing. Sweden never caved into the world pressure. Instead, they kept everything open. And of course, you know what happened to Sweden, right? Yeah. You expect their death count to be through the roof? Well, not. Not at all. I've been following their per capita death rate as compared to eight other major European nations. I started paying attention to Sweden specifically in detail, starting way back in episode 53. Somebody sent us an article out of Forbes magazine that showed how Sweden was smack dab in the middle of per capita deaths of the nine largest European countries, even though they never shut down their economy. And here it is, episode 61, months later, and guess what? I just looked again today, and Sweden is still fifth out of nine, still smack dab in the middle, even though they never shut down. That means there was no reason for Governor Big Bad Wolf to shut down Pennsylvania, no reason to destroy our economy, no reason to scare people silly, no reason at all. <sighs> I told you I'd be short. Brings me back to the multi-rally this Saturday, May 30th. It's being held in the southern half of Montgomery County. All the details, as I said, they're in pennsylvaniaproject.com slash rally. You ought to be there. Paint up a sign. Make the letters three inches high. Good contrast. Colorful. Looks good on TV that way. Pick out one of the rallies closest to you. Or go to all of them. I'll be there at all of them. I'm MC for the day. Come and meet me. Shake my hand. Hey, you want to hear something funny about the multi-rally? Two funny things, actually. Funny thing number one is the reaction I've been getting from the various police departments. As I mentioned last episode, I have personally contacted the police in all nine towns where the rallies are going to be held. That's a habit of mine. I always like to call the cops a week or so before the rally just to give them a heads up. It's polite. And what I do, it's funny. I call their main number, and some dispatcher always answers, and I say, just say, hi, my name is Ken. This is a courtesy call. I want to let you know that we'll be holding a peaceful rally at the corner of X and Y on Saturday, May 30th at 2 p.m., if you have any questions, my cell number is 215-whatever. And I shut up. Their response is universally the same. They say, hold on, I'll transfer you. It's just a dispatcher, right? Next is, hello, Sergeant so-and-so. And I say, hi, my name is Ken. This is a courtesy call, and so on and so on. Hold on, I'll transfer you. Next thing, hello, Lieutenant such-and-such. Hi, my name is Ken. This is a courtesy call, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Eventually, I get to someone with enough authority to actually address the issue. And you know what happens then? Every single cop, with no exceptions at all, they're supportive. They all tell me how we have every right to be there, every right to protest peacefully, and they'll be right there to protect that right. Some even said they'd be right there protesting alongside of us if they can. I'll tell you, it's certainly refreshing for this child of the 60s for once to find myself on the same side as the police. Strange days indeed. Most peculiar, mama. Well, that's funny thing number one. But the reaction I got for funny thing number two was the exact opposite. You see, we also contacted all the state reps who were going to visit. It's just to offer them a chance to address the rally, let them know that we're, the microphone is open for them. Hey, it's the polite thing to do, you know? One of them called me back over the weekend and proceeded to chew me out. He insulted me, questioned my integrity. On and on and on the guy went. Should have heard him. I could hardly get a word in edgewise. This guy, he was really, really angry that we'd even consider protesting. He was so angry he was repeating himself and repeating himself again. He ranted about how we should have made an appointment, how we should have sat down with him, discussed our needs. On and on and on he went. And that was funny because we did make an appointment and invited him to discuss our needs to reopen Pennsylvania. 
He's on the agenda this Saturday, and he already knew it. It's why he called me in the first place. He knew it. Politicians. Go figure. Yeah, I, I can understand how he's angry and embarrassed with himself for being complicit in destroying our economy when it's not necessary. But what really got me, what really, really got me was something he said, not just once, but twice. Something he claimed his constituents wanted to know, I bet. He was angry because he felt somehow singled out. There are 203 state reps, he bellowed. Why are you holding your protests? Why aren't you doing it there? Why are you doing it here? What about those other 202? Uh, I said, because there are only so many hours in a day? No, you're only doing this because I'm black. Say what? Full disclosure time, I don't know this guy from Adam. I have no idea who he is, don't know what race he is, yet he accuses me of choosing him because he's black? I didn't even make up the list of state reps. And when I told him that, he began insulting me, questioning my integrity, being generally rude. Certainly not the best way to get reelected. Twice he told me we picked him because he's black. And after he said it a second time, I had to jump in there. I asked him, why are you playing the race card out of the blue just like that? Do you know what he said to me? He hung up on me. I was stunned. Why would he play the race card? Why inject race into this dialogue at all? Hey, dude, this is 2020. Nobody cares about race anymore except for a few Neanderthals still clinging to their stone knives and bearskins or maybe a Minneapolis cop or two. Regardless, I fail to see what anyone's race has to do with shutting down Pennsylvania. Obviously, he does. And you know, Saturday, we'll be paying him a visit, and I'll be sure to ask him why one more time what race has to do with this. And you should be there to hear his answer. PennsylvaniaProject.com slash rally. And on that convivial note, that's going to wrap it up for Exit 61 of the Pennsylvania Project. If you have something to say, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com right after you sign our petition. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting in Philadelphia at 860 on the AM dial every Saturday at 10 a.m., every Monday at 4 p.m. and other times, and in Kutztown, Mondays at 7 a.m. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley, marketing guru Connor Dragotis, featured Toastmaster narrator is Candace Winters, featured, sorry, cohort, featured Toastmaster narrator is Pat Rocky. Official bartender is Brooke Smith, keyboard wizard Joe the Pag, radio producer The Pink Panzer filling in for the vacationing Brett Kronberger, executive producer Mark Bazzacco, and me, your caster Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us. And more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem, Governor Big Bad Wolf.